0: All right, let me uh, read our scripture lessons for today. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, is our Old Testament text. Listen here to God's word. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed that she has received of the Lord's hand, double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out, Then he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might, with His arm ruling for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. Like a shepherd, He will tend His flock. In His arms, He will gather the lambs and carry them in His bosom. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Amen. Our Gospel lesson this morning is from John, the first chapter, the first 18 verses. Very, very familiar passage apt for Christmas time or any time. Tells us about the Lord Jesus, the Word of God, and other things as well. Listen here to God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He's the one Isaiah 40 was talking about. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to His own, and those who were His own did not receive Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. For of His fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained Him. Amen. Then our primary text today is Revelation chapter 5, we'll read all 14 verses. We've read this in three different sections during the course of the month of December, uh, the last section being read on Christmas Eve, but we'll read the whole chapter today and have some basic uh, sermonic material from that. Again, listen here to God's Word. I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals. Again, John's been caught up to heaven. He has a vision here. Here's what's going on. And this describes part of the vision. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals. And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. Then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne or in the midst of the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book the four living creatures, and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped, Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Lord Jesus, we uh, come before you again today to worship, give thanks for your great care and your great love. <clears throat> we ask you, Lord Jesus here as we uh, break open your Word to be present in the power of the Spirit, to open our eyes of our hearts to your truth and to how you want to have that applied to our lives, to the places and situations where we live. Lord Jesus, we worship you. You are worthy. So come help us, we ask. We ask this in your name and by your great goodness, not by ours at all, amen. We've been going through the book of Revelation the first three chapters uh, set the stage. They sort of said, "Here's what's all going on." Uh, we saw that the key thing in that first chapter was these are. It was repeated several times. These are things which must soon come to pass. In other words, uh, he's writing to the going right to the seven churches. Says these are things which must soon come to pass. Says it a couple times. Uh, Jesus, we saw in the midst of the lampstands, and then there's the letters to the seven churches, uh, and. They're the ones to whom this, these seven churches to whom all of Revelation is addressed. But in being addressed to them, it's also addressed to us, we would say. But then we came to chapters 4 and 5. John is taken up into heaven. Why? Why is he taken up into heaven? What's going on? There's this. Here's the point. He is being put on a sure footing for what he's about to see beyond chapters 4 and 5. For what is about to happen, what is about to come to pass in the world. Now, I'd like for you to, you know, we had some important things to say, but there's a picture here. Uh, Can you put the first picture up, Steve? Uh, You all recognize that? We did this back on December the 1st. What's that? Someone tell me. The White House. You look at that and say, yes, sir, Eve, that's exactly what it is. It's a good pictorial representation of the White House. We recognize that. And, It's good to see. Now, we have another picture I put up that on the 1st of December, it's this picture. Boy, what in the world is that? Can you recognize that? Uh, Some of you can. Uh, I told you before what it was, it's the Louisiana Memorial on the Gettysburg Battlefield. But yet, what does it, you know, it's a picture, but yet it represents something beyond just material things, right? That that the figure that's on top there, that, we're not quite sure what that is. When we were there, we weren't sure if it was male or female. Uh, now, down below, there, the the fellow who's dead there, that's a real—not a real person, but it represents a real person. But this—you take that down, Steve—what uh, we put those up for is that revelation is like the, the Louisiana memorial, not like the picture of the White House. That is, it represents stuff. And so, we had— uh, uh, This hermeneutic principle that we said was true, so go ahead and tell us what our hermeneutic principle is, Steve. Revelation 4 and 5 are not photographs or life videos, rather they are representations filled with symbols. We need to see that and we need to know that, that such is the case. And that's true for all that follows, the rest of the book of Revelation. It's about real things, but it's representative. The things themselves are like that Louisiana memorial. We see things, we can make out what they are, but we don't really know what they are. They don't represent, uh, or they don't show exactly what's being represented. Uh, That's true for all apocalyptic writings, by the way. They all are meant to represent uh, realities, but not uh, draw them like a, a picture, a photograph. Why should such be the case? Here's the reason. We read about it in John 1. It says, no one has seen God at any time. How can you represent God? How can you show God if no one has seen God? You can represent Him, but you cannot show Him what He's like. You can't draw a picture of God. And we would say that's the the great thing that's wrong with something like the Sistine Chapel. You know, it's made for worship, and they have images of God in there, which are, in that sense, blasphemous, because you cannot picture God. He said, don't do that. In worship, you should shouldn't, that should be the case. Uh, so, Revelation five is the story of our world and its history, in very brief fashion. <laughs> we, we've looked at. It. I'll go back and summarize that so you know. Uh, the main assertion of Revelation four and five is that God rules. He sits on the throne, he has a, his in his right hand. He has a book or a scroll that's sealed with seven seals. Uh, That reflects His will for the world, His plan, His purpose. Here's what He intends to do. Yet that role or that book is is sealed with seven seals. It's completely sealed, what seven seals mean. And it says that no one can open it. No one was found in heaven, on earth, under the earth in the sea to open the book. And it wasn't a question of brains. It wasn't a question of strength. It says no one was worthy. You understand that's a very different quality than intellectual power or physical power It's a a moral, spiritual power of being worthy. No one was worthy to open the book, that is, to cause God's will to be done. Because the earth had fallen. We had thorns and thistles everywhere. And so John, as a consequence, lamented, wept, deep, deep lamenting. And then one of the elders, uh, one of the angels tell him, stop weeping. No reason to weep, because the lion that is from the tribe of Judah has conquered. He's able to open this up. He's able to do this. And uh, of course, he turns to see the lion, and there's no lion there at all. It's the lamb, a lamb as if slain. And so that lion and lamb together means that all is well. Uh, They represent perhaps our expectations compared with God's course of action. The line of the tribe of Judah, well, we expect to be this, boom. But it turns out to be that. So it prepares us for the fact that oftentimes our own human expectations are not in line with what God's going to do or what God's reality is. Yet God does His will. Uh, And once John sees this lamb that's slain, as if slain, We said, then all rejoicing breaks out. And there's just praise and honor and glory to him. Why? Because he was slain. He was killed. And the lamb is a picture of sacrificial stuff where he's he's given for someone else for for the sins of people. And it says that he purchased for God people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language. From every one of those, no matter what people group you'd be a part of, God through Christ has purchased people from there for himself. Then we come over to what well, we didn't read last week. We saw the, we did on Christmas Eve, uh, the scene shifts. Well, the scene's still in heaven, but it's, there's a new crowd there. It says that, we read it this morning, there are myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands of angels. And he sees all this, just a huge, huge, huge crowd of angels. And they're all crying out with a loud voice. They're all praising him. And there's a sevenfold acclamation to him. It says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. A sevenfold acclamation, a full blessing all the way through. It says, yes, that's it. And uh, they honor him that way. And that's right and true. That's done in heaven. It's the way it should be done. The first four are qualities that he possesses. Uh, he, the lamb, has power, riches, wisdom, and might. They're all his. They're, they belong to him. And then the last three, if you would, are how we respond to that, how, what, what he receives as a consequence. It says, honor and glory and blessing. we realize what it is that He has done. That's the title of our sermon today, Done. The Lamb who's slain has done, has accomplished all these things, and He's worthy of all that praise and adulation. But then we read in verse 13 and 14, all creation, not just angels by the multitudes, but all creation gets in the act. Heaven and earth, everything in heaven and on earth, under the earth, in the seas, and everything in them, Joined together. And there's a fourfold ascription given to, to, the, to him. It says, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, there's something that our translations don't bring out as well as they should. That first sevenfold acclamation of the Lamb has just one definite article. It says, The and all those things—the riches, wisdom, might, etc.—all under that one "the." Here, <clears throat> when all creation gathers together, there's this fourfold acclamation, and in front of each one is the definite article. So it would really read: "To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be the blessing, the honor, the glory, the dominion, forever and ever." And ever, Amen. So, why all this? Back to our original question: Why all this? And the answer again is to get him grounded in reality. I think a parallel may be found in Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. Uh, we memorized a good bit of this. In fact, all of what I want to show today we've memorized uh, some years ago now, but uh, Ephesians 1:15 through 22, I think it is. What's the first thing he says? Let's, uh, here it is. For this reason. The reason all that God has done in the first 14 verses talk about, for this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. So, Paul remembers these people who are part of the people of God, and he, he makes mention of them in his prayers. Well, how would Paul pray for people? What would he think is important to pray for, for people who, are, who claim the name of Christ? The first, he goes on and says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So when he prays, he says, I pray that, that uh, the Father of glory, the if our Lord Jesus Christ would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, an unveiling that you don't have by yourself. We have natural abilities, we have natural wisdom, but we need revelation to show us all of who He is and what He's done uh, in the knowledge of Him, of who Christ is and what, what He's done there. He says, that's what I'm praying for. I want make mention of you. We pray for that. How do you pray for your family members, for your friends, for your neighbors, for people you want to see converted? Here's a good way. Pray that they may be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Needs revelational knowledge. But he goes on and says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. We need to know some things. And uh, you need to have the eyes of your heart. You think it's all with your mind that you want, but… the inner man, your inner man has to have some revelation, has to have some things given to, to, to us on the inside. Uh, so we'll know. We'll know in a way that's beyond book learning, a way that's beyond simply didactic teaching. We know because we know from God. And the hope of our calling, He called us. If He's called us, there's great hope. And we need to know that He has... Uh, Riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints, he has an inheritance in us. We need to know that, and we need to know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. Surpassing greatness. Now, how can we know all this, or how is that all accomplished? It goes on and he says, This these things are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in the heavenly places. Now, what we have seen in Revelation 5 is that. We've seen him seated in the heavenly places, right? We've seen that all the honor and glory and blessing that's given to him because eyes have been opened and we understand who he is and what he has done. And it couldn't be done otherwise. We'd be filled with weeping, lamenting, sorrow, unending, unless he had done this. Because no one else is able to unseal the book. No one else is able to open it. No one at all. So we're lost, we're perishing, we're gone, unless the Lamb, who's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, is slain for us. We see that He has, and He's called us by name. And as a consequence, when our ongoing revelation, we see what He's done, and we cannot but praise and honor and thank and bow down and worship Him, because He saved us. Something that was impossible, something that could not be done. He did. Go ahead. So you see that they far above, far above, that is, there's no comparison. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, I mean right now He's king and ruler, but also in the one to come. That's why martyrs can sing joyfully and happily while their heads are being sawed off, as they did in different places in the world. Did you know that um, in Nigeria, where Isaac could be aware of this perhaps, in Nigeria this past week, Boko Haram executed 10 Christians because of what had happened. And those Christians died joyfully because they know the king they serve rules. There's other kings down there, but far above all them, all ruling and authority and power and dominion is him. And they couldn't, they couldn't move a finger without his permission. And not only in this age, but he does rule in this age. I underline that because I wanted us to know this age. He rules now. He's not going to rule sometime in the future only. He rules now. And that rule will continue on, but also in the one to come, which is the great age. And how does this all end up then? And he put all things in subjection under his feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Everything is under the lordship of Jesus. It's done. It's done. It was done on the cross, confirmed by the resurrection, <laughs> ordained and happened with the ascension. It's done. And so as a consequence, John sees heaven. He gets a sound and solid footing for what reality really is. Christ rules. He's stabilized. All is subject to Him. And He's given to the church. Christ is given to the church as, as head over all. We know that. Only the church can see this. No, It doesn't make sense to anyone else. What? We had a... Letter from some missionaries who work with Maldivians, and they were they're doing a translation of the Bible, and they couldn't. This, this I got. To, whoa, whoa. Uh, they 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 had difficulty with with Jesus being called the Lamb, because in their culture, a lamb, any kind of animal, is beneath human dignity. How could we call someone the Lamb? You know, how is that an honor, an honor, a good thing? So, a lot of places around, if you go around and you say. Well, what did Jesus do? He died on the cross. Well, that doesn't sound so great unless you know the whole story, that that's the one who's found worthy to unseal the book, to allow God's purpose and plan to be accomplished. In fact, that it is done now. He rules now. Only the church knows that. Only the true Israel knows that. Now. John, the Apostle John, and those seven churches are going to see tough stuff from eighty sixty-six 66 to eighty seventy 70 and beyond. Things that are going to be horrific. It will make them wonder, well, does God rule? Can we trust Him? And this, chapters 4 and chapter 5 are meant to get a sound footing for them and for us. They need to be grounded in reality, have something beyond just a material view of life. We need to be grounded likewise. Jesus takes His disciples to the Mount of Transfiguration. They see who He is, they're undone, they, they, they see Him, He's transfigured, but then they come back down to the demon-filled valley. Remember the, the man with the son who no, the disciples couldn't help? They come back to a reality. And so we have this glorious vision of what God has done. The eyes of our heart have been enlightened, they need to stay enlightened, but then we come back here to reality. We say, oh my goodness, how does this work out? Well, we need to know for sure where God is and that He's ruling, that He's all right, He's got it under control. We need to know what's been done. And then we need to act on it, as we saw in Isaiah chapter 40. Get up on a hill, proclaim what's been done. That is, let your light shine. Jesus is victor. You see, we proclaim the oldest Christian truth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus sits on the throne. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus is God. That's how this passage ended. To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That is, they're together, they're joined, they're, they're one. and. Let's do homage to the Son that He not become angry and we perish in the way for His wrath may soon be kindled. And we'll see that wrath kindled in the rest of Revelation. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Do you recognize those last things I've just quoted and said? That's the end of Psalm 2. Do homage to the Son that He not become angry and we perish in the way for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. So John's Gospel tells that His own people received Him not. John's revelation will show judgment falling upon Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. Talk about that. And a generation of people that rejected Him. And so we proclaim now, just like they did in, we proclaim now, how blessed are all who take refuge in Him. He has done it. He invites you come. He saved people. May pay for people from every tribe, tongue, language, and people. Come, come to Jesus. So, on our cornerstone out here, you'll see that we have two verses one from Matthew 28, one from Matthew 11. On one hand, we say, Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. We say that. We invite that. Come, come to Jesus. All you who are weary and heavy laden, He'll give you rest. He'll help you. But then as we're here, we receive that rest. There's Matthew 28. Go, therefore, to all the world, sharing the gospel. So we want to go out and let our light shine because Christ has done it. Amen.